Notice anything different? That's right. No ad. Which means this space is available. So if you have a company or brand or product or anything really that you'd love to promote on 30 Pop, this is your chance. Just shoot me an email at the link in the show notes and I'll give you all the relevant details. Now, on to 30 Pop. Hello? Dad, it's Luke. Hey, Luke. What's going on? So I'm working on 30 Pop, and I wanted to ask you a question. Okay. So 30 years ago this week, Major League Baseball player Kirby Puckett hit his sixth consecutive double. And I found that on a website, but I don't know anything about baseball. So I'm just curious, like, is that a big deal? I would think so. I've never really heard that. But six consecutive hits is a big deal. Getting on base six consecutive times would be a big deal, but... Yeah, six doubles. That's pretty good stuff. It was apparently the first time it had happened since 1948. Wow. Well, 48 was a good year. <laughs> <laughs> the year of your birth, yeah. Yeah. Well, good. Well, that's, that's interesting. I never did that. Kirby Puckett was a good guy. He's a good center fielder for the Twins. Short and stocky. Didn't look like an athlete, but he could play ball. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I got for you. All right. Well, thanks for hollering. All right. I'm going to start the episode now. Right. See you, bud. See you. From Mill U Media Group, this is 30 Pop. A weekly peek back at the music, movies, sports, fashion, politics, and news from 30 years ago. I'm your host, Luke Bronner. This is Season 1, Episode 14, Roadhouse and the Rise of Toxic Masculinity. Today we're looking back at the week that ended May 20th, 1989. Welcome, friends, to Episode 14 of 30 Pop. I'm afraid we're in for a bit of a sad episode today, as 30 years ago this week, we saw the end of not one, not two, but three long-running TV series that I loved. The first two on the same night, no less. On May 14, 1989, after 176 glorious episodes and one made-for-TV movie, the Golden Globe and Emmy Award-winning series Family Ties called it quits. I bet we've been together for a million years. The series starred acting legend Michael J. Fox as the young, Republican, Ronald Reagan-loving Alex Keaton, one of four kids to parents Elise, played by Meredith Baxter, and Stephen, played by Michael Gross, who went on to star in six, yes, six films in the Tremors franchise, which we'll begin discussing next year, as well as 1991's So Bad It's Good film flop Cool as Ice, starring the one and only Vanilla Ice. So, clearly, the Family Ties finale only served to free him up creatively. The show also starred Tina Yothers and Justine Bateman, sister of one of my favorite TV actors, Jason Bateman, as the lovely Mallory. Some other big names who passed through Family Ties over the course of their seven seasons 
Courtney Cox, Corey Feldman, Tom Hanks, David Faustino from Married with Children, Gina Davis, who we mentioned last week, and the late great River Phoenix, who we'll discuss next week. The other great series that wrapped up that night after five seasons and 66 episodes was one of the earliest and most influential examples of a comedy drama, Moonlighting, which revived the career of actress Sybil Shepard and effectively catapulted Bruce Willis into Hollywood's A-list, where he remains to this day. According to Wikipedia, in 2007, the series was listed as one of Time Magazine's 100 Best TV Shows of All Time. And the relationship between Willis and Shepard's characters, David and Maddie, was included in TV Guide's list of the best TV couples of all time. A few days later, the less culturally influential but still innovative in its own way sci-fi sitcom Small Wonder wrapped up after four seasons and 96 episodes. She's a small wonder I don't know how widely known this show was, but I remember loving it as a kid and being so sad to see it go. Although, with the central character being a supposedly 10-year-old android girl, it was obviously doomed from day one to be a pretty short series. Even still, I remember it fondly. In music, Madonna continued to dominate the Billboard charts for the fifth of her six-week run with her album Like a Prayer, but another artist reclaimed the top single spot in the country for the second time in 1989, Paula Abdul this time with her song Forever Your Girl. The number one movie at the box office for the second week in a row was Richard Pryor and Gene Hackman's very funny See No Evil, Hear No Evil, which I discussed in depth on last week's episode. Coming in second place that weekend was the newly released action-packed testosterone-fueled blockbuster Roadhouse, starring beloved dirty dancer and Houston native Patrick Swayze. Patrick Swayze is dumb. I thought you'd be... Bigger. Opinions vary. When he's around, anything can happen. How's a guy like you end up a bouncer? Just lucky, I guess. And usually does. Somebody gets in your face, I want you to be nice. Don't! Don't be rude! Ask him to walk, but be nice. Help this gentleman to the door. Until it's time to not be nice. So says the fighting philosopher. He may be hard to handle. I keep talking, you're going to go off thinking I'm a nice guy. I know you're not a nice guy. But he's easy to like. What's the matter, Dalton? Don't you like women? Worst I ever had was wonderful. He's not what you'd expect. I thought you'd be bigger. (laughs) But there's one thing you can count on. He's the best friend a good time ever had. Aren't you guys tired? I'll go get all the sleep I need when I'm dead. This is my town. I'm not afraid of him. 
I guess you'll be having that fire sale now, all right? <laughs> you got your hands full, kid. I just think I'm looking at a dead man. <laughs> Patrick Swayze. For that line of work, I thought you'd be bigger. Gee, I've never heard that before. Roadhouse. Now, I loved Patrick Swayze, and I'm confident this won't be a popular opinion, but I am not a fan of this movie. So many people are, though, including my older brother, Josh. So I gave him a call this week to chat about it in a segment that I like to call Film Depreciation. Josh, welcome back to 30 Pop. So good to have you on again. Thanks for having me. It's always a good time. Man, so we're talking today about a film that released 30 years ago this week that I know you love. All right. Roadhouse. Love that movie. It's a great I've, movie. I know you think it is. I watched it this week for the very first time, and I think we're going to have very different opinions about this movie. <laughs> Well, you're just wrong. Why don't you, real quick, in case we have folks who've never seen it, and just also because I want to hear how you would describe it, why don't you tell folks what this film is about? Okay. There's a club in Little Podunk, USA, that the owner just can't control it. There's fights, there's hookers and drugs and alcohol, and he's beyond being able to control it. So he brings in basically a bouncer. They call him a cooler. And that's Patrick Swayze's character. And he comes in and... Dalton. Yes, Dalton. And he is a stud. Plain and simple, he's a stud. And... All the trash goes away, and it becomes a place where people can enjoy themselves and not have to worry about, you know, any of the other bad stuff that they had going on. He literally cleans house from bartenders who are stealing to the drug dealers to all the people that just go there to fight. So there's one guy that runs the town, Brad Wesley. He's a jerk, controls everything, and he's trying to control that club and kind of the element there. And him and Dalton, of course, are going to come to a head, and it's a great movie. Okay, so... I watched it this week. First time I've ever seen it. I've always sort of known of it, and I'm sure I'd seen clips. You know, I could identify scenes from it when it came on, but like, I disagree wholeheartedly about the greatness of this movie. And I understand that there's going to be a lot of people who feel sentimental about it, and they want to look back and be like, no, 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 it's great, because I remember it being great. And I'm telling you, I don't know when the last time you saw it was, I'm telling you, this is not a great movie. We're going to have to disagree on that one. Let me state my case. This movie, as did many films coming out in late 80s, early 90s, sort of defines manliness in the most ridiculous, macho way. <laughs> and it drives me crazy. Even if you look at the cover art for this film, it shows Patrick Swayze leaned up against a wall, and then there's three little pictures. One is of him just shirtless, looking ripped, practicing martial arts. The next picture down is him having sex with some woman, and the next picture down is a car exploding. This is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen in my life. Well, I think... The shirtless picks to show he's tough. The right. pick to show one of the benefits and the blowing it up is everybody likes stuff blown up. Right, but that's what I'm saying. Like there was this definition of manliness in the late eighties that is just so absolutely absurd. And what's funny is I think they were actually trying to push against it because throughout the movie people are always saying to him, Oh, I thought you'd be bigger because at the same time as this is coming out, we've got Van Damme and Steven Seagal and Schwarzenegger and Stallone and all of these like big jacked up dudes releasing these other ridiculous over the top action flicks. And so then you have little sort of, I don't want to say puny, but by comparison puny. He was the dancer. He was the dancer. Right. In fact, I even saw one of the covers said, 
the dance is over. Now it's time to get dirty. <laughs> Here, here's how I would explain this, okay? You look at Tuffman competitions back 20 years ago. There was no skill. There was no anything. That was your Stallone, your Schwarzenegger, those guys. And then you had the MMA guys that came along and, and had some skill and had some different stuff. That's Patrick Swayze. He could fight, but it was graceful. The, just the whole way he did it. Be nice till it's not time to be nice. Everything he did, it was just smooth. Josh, he rips multiple people's throats out of their neck. It only shows one, and to be honest, that guy had it coming. He killed Sam Elliott. How do you kill Sam Elliott? Yeah, so let's talk about Sam Elliott. Here's what's funny is this year, or last year, I guess, we had the release of A Star is Born with Lady Gaga, Bradley Cooper, and Sam Elliott's in that. And what's funny is... I realized when I was watching this, Bradley Cooper, all he was doing in that role was playing Sam Elliott from Roadhouse. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But, I mean, you can't go wrong with Sam Elliott. Anything he's in, he's great. If nothing else, you have his mustache, and that's all you need. Here's the one redeeming thing about this movie. The band at the bar, Jeff Healy Band. Jeff Healy is incredible. Was incredible. He is no longer with us, but he was fantastic. Exactly. Like, I'm not a blues guy, so, like, blues music doesn't really necessarily get me. But, like, this guy was clearly a killer songwriter, killer musician, unbelievable guitar player, despite being blind and playing the guitar in his lap. He was phenomenal. That was the singular redeeming quality of this movie. He was friends with Dalton. <laughs> you couldn't get a better announcement of who he is than when Jeff Healy announced him. I guess. Here's one of the funny things for me about the character of Dalton. So I guess they want to sort of balance him out. He's not only this martial artist who's, you know, a complete introvert and spends all of his time alone. He clearly has lots and lots of money because he makes, you know, $5,000 up front and makes $500 a day. He drives a Mercedes, but he keeps it parked and just buys like some crappy car for when he's at work. You know, he clearly, he's this well-rounded person who you find out, you know, he's got some depth because they say that he has a degree from NYU in philosophy, which is just the stupidest thing. This is sort of the rise of toxic masculinity in this really poor representation of what it means to be a man. What it means according to this movie and according to the movies that are coming out is to be rich and educated and tough as nails and be able to get any woman that you want. You and I watch movies with way different expectations. I watch a movie to sit there and be mindlessly entertained. And you look at it from every cultural, political standpoint there is and, and how it affects it. Man, it was a fun movie. But it does make statements. That's the thing is you don't have to watch it with that stuff in mind for it to make statements about those things. I think you have to be looking for them. And I don't watch movies that way. I want to see him catch the guy's boot that has a knife in it and drag him outside. <laughs> So for you, when's the last time you saw this movie? It's been within the last six months. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay, so when's the first time you saw this movie? Years ago. I couldn't even tell you. Soon after it released? Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to ask you two questions then. When you first saw it, on a scale of 1 to 10, how would you have rated this movie? Oh, I would have probably been about 14 to 18 years old the first time I saw it. So I probably would have thought Dalton was the coolest guy ever, and I would probably have considered a career in bouncing. So is that a 10 then? <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Okay, so now 30 years after its release, you've seen it in the last six months. How does it hold up for you? How would you rate it today? If I could catch a guy throwing a kick at me that had a knife in his boot and drag him outside, I think that would be... Okay, quantify that for me though with a number. One to 10, how do you rate this movie? It's probably a nine. Okay, then we do watch, <laughs> we do watch movies very differently. If this is a nine for you, 
that's why I watch a movie. Am I going to be entertained by this movie? Yeah. Same reason Wayne's World would be a nine. Is it entertaining? Yes, it's entertaining. <laughs> You're not interested in like in film, like the art form of film. There are times that I probably could get into it, but overall, Roadhouse, I was watching it to be entertained. What would be an example for you of a movie that you would give a ten to? Shawshank. Okay, so <laughs> sir, love that movie. So, what is the gap between <laughs> Roadhouse and Shawshank? If it's only one point, like what would you have added to Roadhouse to make it Shawshank good? Because well, it's clearly close. My expectations have changed on my own cooler abilities. And so therefore Roadhouse had to take a step backwards. I could easily end up in jail, but I could not be a cooler. <laughs> All right. Well, I still don't know the answer to the question then of what would bump this back up to a 10 for you? It would just depend on the day and who I was watching it with. If I was watching it with you, I would probably leave hating the movie. But if I was watching it with my wife... We would probably watch it twice and love the whole thing. All right. <laughs> well, <laughs> I appreciate you talking with me about it, even if we disagree. Well, you know, you can't be right all the time, and clearly you're not here. Well, I don't know about that. You might. You may need to put a poll up for your listeners here and just check the temperature a little bit. I think you'll be surprised. I don't know if I trust people to <laughs> to not vote sentimentally. Now, here's what you got to look at. Patrick Swayze was huge. All of the females loved him. And all the guys wanted to be him. And so you go into this movie and he got the girl and he was tougher than everybody. And everybody lived happily ever after. And that's what the 80s were all about. Everybody lived happily ever after. Okay, well, I don't want to spoil the movie for anybody who hasn't seen it. But they definitely don't live happily ever after. He kills everyone. His best friend dies. And the girl that he's in love with is done with him. She totally writes him off. You're so negative. She comes running in at the end and the town gets their town back. The people get their town back. The people, it, it may end happily for the people who all are accessories to murder, but... That is absolutely because of Dalton. The town never would have survived Brad Wesley if it wasn't for Dalton. What do you think when you imagine what happened to Dalton after the credits? I figured he went back to NYU and was teaching a class. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. All right, man. Well, we will just agree to disagree on this terrible movie this time. All right. Sounds good. But I may bring you back in a few weeks to talk about Hulk Hogan in No Holds Barred. (laughs) Now that, I do not... I remember the movie coming out, but I do not remember seeing it. Uh, Well, I'll be honest. I actually do own it, so... (laughs) And you're talking to me about film? (laughs) I have it because it's so bad. That is awesome. All right, man. Well, thank you, as always, for being on. I look forward to doing this again in person soon. Absolutely. Can't wait. All right, man. Take it easy. Clearly, my brother and I have very different interests in movies and apparently just about everything else. After our Roadhouse debate, we actually wound up spending another half hour debating politics, feminism, white privilege, and a ton of other topics about which I'd probably get a little too impassioned. But, as always, he just listened and laughed and told me he loves me anyway. And the feeling is mutual. Huge thanks to him for being a part of this episode. Another notable event that happened this week in 1989 was the very first Tour de Pont, an 837-mile bike race along the United States' eastern seaboard modeled after the Tour de France and originally named, and I'm not kidding, the Tour de Trump, after the race's primary corporate sponsor, future billionaire politician Donald J. Trump. Apparently when the name was suggested, the Donald nearly fell out of his chair, stating that he'd get killed in the media if he used that name. 
but reportedly changed his mind and embraced the name in 20 seconds, compelled by the commercial value of his own name. Two years later, due to severe corporate financial losses, Trump pulled his support from the race, and it found a new, more stable, financially and otherwise, corporate sponsor in DuPont. And with it, a significantly less ridiculous name. Finally, this week in 1989, the recently retired tight end for the New England Patriots, Rob Gronkowski, was born. I'm not sure anything could make me feel older than hearing about people 10 years my junior already having retired. But whatever. Happy birthday, Rob. Sadly, a few days later, on May 20th, 1989, while her husband, Gene Wilder's latest film, was crushing the box office, at the age of 42, comedy legend and longtime star of Saturday Night Live, Gilda Radner, passed away after a long and hard-fought battle with ovarian cancer. She was brilliant and wonderful, and the world is a better place because she was in it. Friends, as always, I want to thank you so much for listening to this show and sharing it with other folks you think might enjoy it. I'm excited for next week's episode, looking back 30 years at the release of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, much of which we recorded last weekend live from Houston's Comic Palooza 2019. In the meantime, be sure to follow the show on Facebook and Twitter at 30pop and on Instagram at 30poppodcast. And if you're in Houston, mark your calendars for Wednesday, June 12th for the very first of our new monthly 30pop pub-style trivia nights. There's a link in the show notes with all the details for the event, as well as one of the answers you'll need in the first round of questions. Lastly, if you haven't checked it out yet, be sure to subscribe to our 30 Pop Mixtape playlist on Apple Music and Spotify. I updated each week with the top 40 songs from the Billboard Pop Charts in 1989. Thanks so much, friends. I hope you have a great week. But if you don't, remember the words of Dalton, the fighting philosopher. It's amazing what you can get used to. 30 Pop is produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork is by the amazing Heather Hale. To check out more shows from Milieu Media Group, visit milieumedia.com, which is linked in the show notes for this episode. And if you have a story from 1989 that you want to share on the air, email 30poppodcast at gmail.com.